Because Nobody Told Me, the 98FM Parenting Podcast with Lauren and Serena. 98. Hey, how's it going? It's Serena and Lauren here with another episode of Nobody Told Me. Lauren, how's it going? How's your week been? I'm great. God, I feel like it's been a while. We had like... I, we we had more than a week off, but for listeners, it's only been a week, but it yeah. feels like a lot longer, yeah. doesn't it? We had probably between us a three-week break, so mm. it's actually really good to see you, and I got really excited to see Baby as well. Oh, and so good to see you. I can't believe how much he has grown in the three weeks. Yeah, so when we started this podcast, he was like, what, 12 weeks old? 11. Yeah, so, and he's six months now, so, yeah. So, yeah, so all good. Everything is good. How does that feel? Like 11, I say it has flown because I haven't gone through what you've gone through. Do you feel like it's flown or do you feel like it's taken forever to get to this point here? Yes, since the last time we were here, we had him christened and he was six months old the day of his christening and I got a little overwhelmed that morning. I had tears. Why is that? Just a little, just overwhelmed, you know. It's like I've kept a human being alive for six months. Yeah. Like that, you know, and... um, just the, the, yeah, the the occasion and, like, I kept saying to Alex, I was like, well done us. Like, six months is a, is a big milestone, a I think. huge milestone. So, yeah, all good. And, yeah, I we were on holidays. So, I feel like he's come on an awful lot from that. So, I'll chat a bit about that a little later. But, yeah, this week felt like today the odds were ever in my favour. Flew into town. He slept the whole way. Uh, it's always good to give a little update of my commute. <laughs> How's your week been? Um, it was good until Tuesday when my holiday came to an end and I came home and I've had the holiday blues a bit, a bit more than usual though, because um, this holiday was something quite special. For two weeks, I was with my best mate from oh. Australia herself. Yes. Do you know what I'm loving? Uh, an update here as well. You've started to introduce uh, solids Yeah, I'm watching to this carrot out of the corner of my eye <laughs> and making sure he doesn't choke on it. But so far, so good. <laughs> okay, you're going to have to go, bud. <laughs> I'll give him to Rachel. Okay. Okay, you're back. Yeah, sorry. So a few weeks ago, Brian um, was on... Nobody told me with us, uh, Brian Marr. So I just left the baby outside there with uh, Rachel and I said, he's got a carrot in his hand. Like, it's he's going to cough and splutter because he doesn't know how to eat properly. It's if he goes quiet, he's choking. And then I saw Brian. I said, he's a dad. He'll know what to do. <laughs> Rachel's like, what? What? Choking? Carrot? See ya. Have See fun ya. looking he'll after be, my baby. Yeah, he'll be fine. Brian's there. I have complete confidence in Brian. And Rachel. Anyway. Yeah. So sorry. So, your week, with your two weeks with your best mate. Yeah, it was amazing. So her family uh, flew in from Australia. We met in, it was an amazing city. We met in Nice, did the south of France, then went over to um, Cinque Terre and ended in Rome. And it was just saying goodbye. It was really, really tough. But, and it's been hard being back. But what has been, what was really nice about that holiday, we're going to talk more about holidays in a second, but I just wanted to mention this because being away from your mates, I mean, technology is amazing. So you still get to keep in contact. But I don't remember the last time I actually spent two full weeks with Nancy and get to see old Nancy, you know, my friend, single Nancy, but then also get to see Nancy as a mum. And it was just, I tear up thinking about it because I, I, I was just watching her so proudly, Aww. just seeing the way her daughters look at her. Aww was just so special and seeing I'm sure she's the same for you to see you no she thinks I'm mad no no (laughs) no but it was even my kids I mean um 
she's my little one's godmother and she really connected with my older one as well and to see my older daughter my daughter actually look at Nancy the same way I look at Nancy um laugh at her it was just such a special moment and also it was a it was a time where I actually got to say to her as well that at the end of the whole holiday I just wrote her a little note and in the note I actually said to her it was amazing to watch you being a mum and I think I took solace from um I took some advice from what you said in the last podcast where you said can we just start telling people when things are good and yeah. just complimenting them so don't get me wrong yes it was a bit soppy but I didn't go over the, over the top but I did just say to her because you know there were all these little flippant comments that would make oh we're such a bad mum we don't oh do this we're God, such a bad mum sorry <laughs> But no, why why the tears? I don't know. (laughs) I just, I don't know. But I just think that was such a lovely thing to say to your friend and to be told like you're such a great mum. Oh, Jesus Christ. (laughs) Sorry. Oh my God. She did say she got a few tears during the letter as well. But it was, I don't think we're told often enough because, you know, we, we are very, I loved being with her because she's so inappropriate and I'm so inappropriate and it was almost like bad mums on tour. But sometimes I think we take that that moniker to heart and we really do think that we are bad mums. So I just yeah. said to her in the letter, I hope you see the way your daughters actually... Oh my God, no, what, what's going on? Oh my God, it's too early for this. We've yes. been recording for five minutes. <laughs> but yeah, j- just the way... Her, I think sometimes we don't see the way our kids look at us because we think of all the bad things we do. And when I say bad things, I mean yelling at them, nagging them, um, feeling like we're not good enough. And I just said to her, you know, your daughter's face just, they light up when she's Aww. in the room. They try, I, I love watching them trying to impress their mum because I'm sorry, Nancy's one of the funniest people you will ever meet. And the daughters try and, and do that, impress their mum with their humour and just the tender, loving moments as well with my kids. So it was really special having that and Aww. having, I feel like it's been ripped away. So it, it's been a bit of a, bleh. look, I'm only back two days. This time next week, I probably won't be as soppy and I'll be fine. But yeah, so I'm a bit blah. It is at the hard moment. though, when you've had such an enjoyable time to, I'm sure you did savour it, but to kind of lock in those feelings so that when it's over, you can still enjoy it. Because I felt a bit like that about my holiday. I didn't want to come home. It was yeah. so fab. But I just really savoured the memories. And yeah, I'm living for it already again to go again next year. And so that's why we thought on we today's episode, this. it'd be all about holidays. Nobody told me with Lauren and Serena. Yeah, it's that time of year, I suppose. Um, making plans and going and do things, whether or not it's a weekend away with friends, staycation, foreign vacation, whatever it is. So I'm um, look, your kids are well-traveled. So are you a, a pro when it comes to what to bring and what not to bring on aeroplanes and um, things? It's getting, I, I'm not a pro, I'm getting better at it. I think each time you take a trip, it gets easier. Um, and I think, okay, here we go. So I started this trip going, we packed the night before and we're getting better. I think it's always easier to pack for a summer holiday as well because, you know, the clothes are so much smaller and stuff. So we packed our stuff and we're like oh my God, Brian, I think we've made it through the tough bit. Like we didn't have to pack all um, extra food or nappies or yes, he's still in pull-ups at the moment, but he's toilet trained during the day. So it was just like, wow, we've got this. And we were walking to the gate and like now we we don't have a hundred bags with us to bring on board. We all had our little backpacks. And I was like, this is great, Brian. We lined up in the line. Everything was great. I had time to FaceTime my parents in Australia, tell them where we were going. Hang up and out of nowhere, out of the blue, Liam, who's three, throws up all over Brian, all over himself, all over the floor. 
This came out of nowhere. I, and it was like, I didn't know what to do first. Like I, I sort of grabbed Liam off Brian so he could wipe himself down. I, I tried to tidy up all around me, but it was the daggers we were getting from everybody else in line thinking we were traveling with a sick kid and we were bringing him on board. But I swear to God, there were no symptoms. Oh God. The only thing we can put it down to was he hadn't really eaten. So at the airport, we forced him to eat some baked beans and we think maybe we overstuffed him with baked beans because that's what came up everywhere. So as soon as I'd sort of tidied him up, not only did he do the one vomit, he did the second and the third all in one go. And it was just, it was horrific. Poor Brian. We were about to board. He had to run out of line. We always think, like the, the thing is when you go on a plane, you think we need to pack clothes, extra clothes for the kids just in case they get dirty. We didn't pack any extra clothes uh-huh. for us. He had to run down. There was a um, the local souvenir place in the airport. He had to buy the least daggy T-shirt he could um, see to wear that onto the plane. I saw on Instagram, literally two days before I went on my holidays, um, um, there's a mummy blogger I follow. I suppose she's like a fashion blogger as well as Lauren Nolan Horgan. Yeah. I love following her. She's gosh, she's three kids. But her coming home from holidays, her little lad got sick. And he actually, it turned out, I think he's salmonella. He'd picked oh up on my. holidays. Um, but he vomited in Faro Airport as they were boarding and like that had no clothes. So they had to go and it was his birthday. Oh God. And the, they were like, all they could get was girls clothes. And she was like, I cannot do that to him on his birthday. <laughs> so like he was wrapped in kind of like clothes way too big for him. And I was just like, whatever can go wrong will go wrong. Yeah. And so I was fully prepared for vomit in the airport as well. <laughs> How was he for the rest of the flight? He was fine. It was the daggers I was getting from all the other passengers. Oh, Actually, fuck everyone else. not all of them. There was one lady behind me with her child. Like the dad pulled all their kids back, which I totally understand because you don't want your kids getting whatever. But she came up to me and she went, here, here, here's some wipes. Do you want some wipes? And I just went, thank you so much, but I'm okay. And I sort of just dismissed her because I was in the the process of everything. But at the end of the trip, like once we'd landed and stuff, I made sure she was sitting behind us. So I just said to her, listen, I hope I didn't come across as dismissive, but I really appreciated you reaching out to me. But I just had the wipes and stuff. But it was just, as I said, it was everybody else looking at us. Um, He'd gone completely white. He hadn't thrown up again, thank God. But even the, um, the airline hostesses came up to us and went, are you sure he's okay to travel? And I felt like the biggest fraud, but he hadn't been sick up until that point. So, yeah, so I think the lesson learnt there is that I will never say before a trip, look at this, we've got this down pat, everything (laughs) is going to plan, because that is something that has never happened to us. You really, as you said, when you think you're prepared, the universe is going to throw something else in. Yeah. So... I was, I suppose, the opposite because it was my first time traveling and my dad traveled with me. We traveled separately abroad and actually jigs and reels. We had a, a bit of a family situation going on and my dad was a bit touch and go. And I was kind of insisting that I could travel on my own. I'm really glad I didn't in the end um, because I was, I was really prepared and I was just ready for everything to go wrong. And I'd seen Laura's Instagram story. So I was like, oh my God, like bring spare everything, spare clothes for me, even spare knickers for me. So I had the baby's bag, my bag, and then we had cases and then a stroller. So, and then I had a, a baby carrier, bought a new Ergo because someone had lent me one. It was too warm. He hates it. I hate it. And then I saw the the Ergos do like different materials. So you you basically fill out a little questionnaire on their website. It's a great Irish um, website. And you fill out kind of your criteria. And because he's a hot 
bodied baby and I'm always roasting. So it's not a one size fits all yeah, when it comes to baby carrots. Exactly. So this is kind of a mesh material. Anyway, he's loving it and he can face out in it. So awesome. So in the airport and we're all smiles and laughs going into the airport and within five minutes I was like, I could not have done this without my dad. Like checking in, my reference number didn't work, things like that. Anyway, got through security. They were so nice in security. Like, they were make, can, Actually, can I just stop you there and can we give a shout out to Dublin Airport Security yeah. because they go out of their way to be nice. Kids or no kids, but especially when you have kids with you, they try to make the experience as stress-free as possible. Totally. Um, yeah, we went through security and they opened an extra, they opened an aisle as we got to them. And because the baby was facing out, there was a lot of smiles. And like, he, yeah, he was like five and a half months at that point. Yeah. You know, all laughs, the legs were going, everything. So they didn't make me take him out of the carrier, which was great. And then we had such a laugh in going through the shopping area. My dad went on ahead, got a table because we we're going to have something to eat. And I, it was just, it was really easy. It was really chill. It was great. Got on the plane. A friend of mine had given me the great advice just to give him a little bit of Calpol before takeoff, just in case the years did start. There's yeah. nothing like trying to get Calpol. Because this is his Calpol. first ever trip as well. So rather than trying to get Calpol or something into him, if he's hysterical, just a little small dose beforehand. You know the little cowpaw syringe, you can yeah. get half a dose or full dose. Half a dose just before we went up. So if the ears did start to hurt, it would take the edge off. So I probably did that a little too late. But then also, I had originally booked evening flights. In hindsight now, that was a silly idea because it was bedtime. So he was getting irritated, getting yeah. restless anyway. So the, the way up... Um, he did get a... He cried for about 20, 25 minutes, which I will take. I can handle 25 minutes. It's interesting watching my dad. My dad's amazing, but he's never around him for longer than, you know, a couple of hours. He's never obviously there, like, putting Grumpy him down to time. bed. Totally. And my dad was trying to talk to him. And I eventually just had to say to my dad, listen, can you just stop? Because, like, he's five and a half months old. Like, the, you can't talk to him. How was that interaction? Because I always think that's oh. a weird one when you're so used to... Um, even though, you know, you're in your 30s and you're a grown-up. You're still a kid. You're, and, yeah. and you're his kid, yeah. right? So when you're turning around to your dad going, hold on, in this situation, I'm actually the mum. I'm in yeah. control. The it was awkward. And I said it to him afterwards when we got to our destination, we had a drink. And I was like, look, I felt awful asking you to back off. But like even at home, if the baby's hysterical over whatever it could be, because who knows, um, like... I my husband doesn't interfere when I have him, yeah. and when he has him, I don't interfere. Because what's the point in two of you trying to calm a baby? Like, Unless you figured the miraculous yeah. trick, then yeah. So I, I'm, I'm, I, when I'm in it in the trenches, as my friend uh, coined <laughs> the phrase, there's, I always find, I'm like, you just stay away yeah. because there's no point in the two of us trying to do this. We're just going to stress each other out and it won't help the baby. I, I, that was what I was trying to say to my dad, and he kept saying to him like, "Come on," and I was like. <laughs> dad and like you're on a plane and so first time on the plane and I was trying to get him to feed he just wasn't interested okay. he wasn't interested I'm, I'm breastfeeding and he wasn't interested so I just kind of you know and the minute the seatbelt sign went off I got up and walked around because he was roasting and people were lovely there was two little girls across the way gave over their teddies but that's too cute. It was so awkward because then as we went up, um, so their little brother was sitting beside my dad. So my dad started chatting to him, had him tormented. It was gas. So <laughs> about hurling. And, um, but one of the teddies was a dog and it had a big nose. And of course, then as the baby calmed down, I think he thought the nose was a nipple. Oh, no. <laughs> 
So he was like <laughs> latched on to this little girl's teddy and eventually I had to say to the mum, you need to take that back. Thank you so much, but you can take it back now because he was full on suckling on the teddy. So anyway, got him to latch. He went to sleep. It was grand. He slept the rest of the flight. We were going to Portugal. So what is it? Two and a half, three hours. Um, and he was grand coming down. So it was fine. I did find the first 24 hours again with my dad because it was just the two of us there. Um, was a bit like, what's wrong with him? And I was like, who? Dad, like his baby. It's hot. He's in a new environment. He's also starting to teeth. He's, you know, got loads of shit going on. He's a baby, you know. So there was a few moments like that with my dad. He was amazing. He was such a great help. But it was, yeah, that it's it's tough with your parents, I think, to be like, okay, listen, do you know what? I get that you raised us and you did an amazing job, but this is how I'm doing it and you need to step back. Yeah, they're those awkward oh, conversations. Oh, so awkward. That, but they need to be had. Yeah. And Lauren, they're going to need to be had more than once because oh, yeah. it, even though you have them, the parents still do. And I get it. We'd probably, I don't know, we might do the same. I felt it was really important to acknowledge it. Like when we got in that night and everything was cool, I was like, Dad, listen, you're amazing. I said, I'm really sorry if I was short with you, but they're just those situations where there's nothing you can do. And I really appreciate where you were coming from, but I just had to just do what I do. And, you know, and there was like a few of those moments. And I do feel if he had been holding him, yeah. I probably would have backed off to yeah. a point. Yeah, until the baby gets really distressed and then you're All just like, wants is it's Dad, yeah. give, give yeah. him to me, please. Yeah. Let yeah. me. Can I be the parent in yeah. this situation? But it is, it's so funny because I think no matter how old we get, I, I had to have this conversation once with my parents before I even became a mum. I think Dad was trying to give me some advice and tell me how to do things. And when I say, give me advice. Tell That's me the way I should have. Yeah. And I actually <laughs> turned around to him. I don't know where this pearl of wisdom came from, but I'm so proud of myself. I was in the moment and I said, dad, I am no longer your child, but I will always be your daughter. Aww. And it's a minute that it's that moment that they need to realize that the parenting has, like, we will always need them, but we're not little kids anymore. Yeah. So, and then I think when they see you become a parent, all they want is they want to alleviate your stress. Totally. So, totally. And then, you know, it is all about the grandkid because that's another level altogether. Yeah. And it must be so exciting to be a grandparent. And it was great. It was awesome that we um, had them over there, you know, and we all, there was, you know, all of us together then by the end of it. Coming home was a lot easier. We had um, jigged a few things around. We flew home during the day. And like that, it was just more relaxed and I kind of felt again if I'm just prepared for everything to go wrong everything is a bonus yeah you're actually right um and I think the reason why we really want to talk about holidays um today one because we've come back and we need to relive our holiday <laughs> but the other thing is I know a lot of people in my life who don't go on holidays with their kids because of the stress that is attached with it. And we'd be lying to say that it is 100% stress-free. Totally. A holiday with a child is completely different to going on holidays on your own. I brought three books with me because I'm quite an avid reader and I still haven't finished the first one. Yeah. You know, it's a different kind of holiday. I really enjoyed it. He was amazing. But it is that different kind of holiday. And look, I totally appreciate why people don't do it. I would say maybe in six months' time I wouldn't even think about it or in ten months' time when he's more mobile. Six months was a good age to do it. I do feel that... I noticed, especially on the way home, I really noticed that our attitude played a huge role in mm -hmm. it. Like, I felt the more calm we were, the calmer the baby was, and the calmer the staff we were dealing with were. When we checked in to come home, 
the guy at the counter was so lovely and and we just because we were sitting separately he was like would you like to sit together and we were like yeah listen if you can make it work that would be great and he asked me where I'd like to sit whereas on the way over they had told me I had to sit in a window seat because the infant airbag falls at the window okay. seat yeah. on the way home they didn't ta- they were like no you can sit wherever you want so um, and there was a bit more space he was really calm. would you like to take the stroller would you like me to check it through both our bags were way over the weight and he said nothing about it. Going through security, they did make me take the baby out, but um, one of the women in Faro Airport kind of helped me hold him and then she clicked me back into place and like the other girls were taking the mick out of her being like, you can tell she doesn't have kids because she couldn't do the car. It was like, but I just, and then there was a family ahead of us and 100% not judging, but they were very in a very similar age bracket to us, yeah. very similar baby to us. And they were going off at staff. And I just felt they had a really, really negative experience, but I felt it was a lot down to how they were talking to the staff. It comes back to what we were saying last on the last episode about parents having this holier-than-thou attitude. I am a parent, so you must treat me differently. differently. I have. Ch- Can you not see? I have children. You must serve me and you must make the experience so much easier. No, it's a it's a give and take oh, situation. Yeah. It's no one else's problem you no. chose to bring your kids on holidays. Exactly. And look, I'm all for kids going on holidays and stuff, but I agree. I think the way you interact with staff is going to be the first step. It's not always a guarantee. Sometimes you will come across pricks yeah. and that's just the way it is, right? And that's when you are allowed to get your back up and say, hey, what's going on? But I think the way you interact with people makes a ma- massive difference. I also think um, your mindset makes a ma- massive different, difference as well. If you go in there stressed, the baby's going to feel your stress as well. It's not, don't get me wrong, it is not the most fun you will ever have on a plane. But sometimes it is. Sometimes everything goes to plan and it's fine. But like I... For me, it was really important that my kids got on a plane as early as possible because Australia was going to have to be a mitigating circumstance. So they were both four months old when they first had their first trip and I was really lucky as well. Mine latched straight away. Like the breastfeeding for me was integral to get the babies through the takeoff and the landing. So that was always good for me. Now, I think this is where I made a mistake on the way over was that I was like, get him on the boob, get him on the boob, get him on the boob for takeoff. And he didn't. And I feel like he felt that stress yeah. on the way over. And that was the the crying on the way over. But up. I think we all do that, Lauren. We all do that because everyone says, get him on the boob, get yeah. him on the boob, right? Whereas on the way home, I was like, just hold out the boob. He'll either yeah. take it or he won't. Now, he did latch on the runway and then for takeoff, he actually came off and he was looking around. And I remember being like, right, the more relaxed I am, the more relaxed yep. he'll stay. And he was totally chill. So, yeah, I think you're right. Like, they read your body language and they feel the tension in your body. It's like when someone's holding a baby that's not confident. The baby senses it. Yep. They're like horses. Aren't horses like that? <laughs> horses know when whoever's on them isn't confident on them. So, so the baby's about to kick you. <laughs> today's podcast, babies are like horses. Yes. <laughs> but do you know what? I think um, all that said, though, sometimes you can do all of that. You can be less tense and whatever, and the baby can still kick off. Um, I think the thing that we need to get better at, and I'm I'm a bit better at it than my husband is, um, if the baby starts crying, he's like, let me take him out of the situation. Like, like I, I, he worries about everyone around him. He's getting better at That's that. That's men. That's men. Yeah. It's like, we can't disturb anyone else. Well, I'm sorry. It is a baby. And remember I told you we went to the baby cinema. Yeah. In Dundrum. 
And I remember Alex being like, oh, Jesus, now he's crying. I'm like, there's 30 other babies in here. They're all going to be crying by the end of, um, what's it? What did we go see? Avengers. <laughs> it's like, it's the longest movie in the history of exactly. time. They're all going to kick off by the fucking end of it. Like men, I just don't think can cope. They're like, oh my God, we're an inconvenience. Yes. So, but look, I, I have to admit, um, we have done, both kids were one when they did their first long haul flight. And it was literally just straight to Australia. And now we've learnt that we do straight to Australia one way and then on the way back to Ireland, we break it up. So it's not too very long haul. Okay, what right? is that? So just because that way we get, first of all, I need the break from like to get over not being at home anymore. So we do a mini break. Uh, yeah. We stop off in, in, in an Asian city, whatever Asian hub that the plane stops in. We stay there and we stay there for about four, four or five days. And it just also means that the kids don't have to do two 24-hour flights within one month. Right. You know, and sometimes it can take up to 30 hours when you consider, like, checking in and all of that stuff and layovers and stuff. Um, but we've been really lucky in that they've both latched on. I remember the last flight we did to Australia, I kept him on the boob. I didn't intend to go as long as I did, but he was 13 months and I kept him going because I just wanted him on the boob for the flight. Mm-hmm. And I'd say, I know this is probably an exaggeration, but it felt like he was on the move for 20 out of 27 hours that we were in transit. But it was more, he wasn't sucking the whole time. It was just more the comfort, the comfort and, you know. Um, this but, ties in really nicely. Go on. To KLM's tweets. I may, I may lose the rag in a sec. Okay, so Serena went on our Instagram stories last night to talk about this. So, um, yeah, it's by the time you hear this, it'll be next week. But I think this is probably going to go on because I think KLM are going to have to backtrack. So, look, if it's if they've come back since this has been yeah. recorded, fair enough. But um, basically, KLM and breastfeeding, um, breastfeed. So. I don't understand how it started. Do you so know the a, background? A, a, a customer had, um, I saw her on this morning okay. today and she said that she'd asked, um, she'd started breastfeeding and um, a flight attendant had said to her, look, do you mind covering up? So then she tweeted KLM to say, do you allow breastfeeding on KLM? Okay. So um, then this is how KLM responded. Breastfeeding is permitted at KLM flights. However, to ensure that all our passengers of all backgrounds feel comfortable on board, we may request a mother to cover herself while breastfeeding should other passengers be offended by this. So, Oh, Jesus Christ, if, trying to keep everyone happy. If, if that doesn't rile you enough. So that was their original, right? And then... People have been going, what, like, what are you saying? What, what do you mean offence? Blah, blah, blah. So they have been responding. Um, to keep... Uh, no, so oh, no. not all. Not all passengers feel comfortable with breastfeeding in their vicinity and sometimes these passengers complain to cabin staff. Okay. To keep the peace on board, in such cases, we will try to find a solution that is acceptable to everyone that shows respect for everyone's comfort and personal space. This may involve a request to a mother to cover her breast. Serena, go. (laughs) So, so, so angry because breastfeeding is not a sexual act. It is not like a mother is going, everybody like my boobs, look at my boobs, look at my nipple. No. If someone is offended or... I'm going to move the word offended, right? Uncomfortable. I'm going to say uncomfortable because some people do feel uncomfortable, right? If some people feel uncomfortable... Don't fucking stare. Look <laughs> away. And then if you're still really upset, why don't you put a towel over your head and you eat your dinner under a blanket? Yeah, it just doesn't... Um, 
Yeah, look, I, I'm breastfeeding. I breastfed on both flights. I have to say, I, I've been waiting for someone to look at me funny. I've had six months of breastfeeding now and I have to say I've had nothing but positivity about it. I and think people are getting better. Particularly from older people. I sat in the bank one day and breastfed. Um, bank of Ireland and Main Street Bray have really comfortable seats, by the way. <laughs> and I'm not the only person who's noticed it. And, you know, a couple of older people walking by have said, oh, that's lovely and good on you and fair play. And, um, like, I've, I've received such positivity over it. And I actually, I have friends who haven't breastfed and have received negativity for not breastfeeding. That's not so, all me, No, and I, I feel like it's gone the other way now that it's like, you're shamed if you don't breastfeed. Like, just fuck off. Like, whenever anyone wants to do, let them do it. But the main word in this and the main concern is feed. Just feed your child. Yeah. That's all. Yeah, that's it. Totally, totally. But the, the breastfeeding on planes, oh, I just... Yeah, I, I, it, I, my mind's a bit blown. I would love to know how that person, how the PR person at KLM, like whoever's in charge, like because I would imagine like most massive companies, there's shifts of who's in charge of Twitter, you know. But the thing, you know the way sometimes you've got someone who yeah. like whoever's on duty that day is gas, like <laughs> on like the Tesco Twitter, yeah. like they're really funny sometimes. I'd love to know how that person is being handled by KLM, like head of PR today. Yeah, because I looked... Now, I didn't do a deep dive um, and there was some in um, Dutch, so I didn't understand those tweets either. But I thought it was just a one-off statement. But when they were responding to people going, what do you mean offended? This tweet was retweeted a number of times to different people, like in response. So this was on that day, as Lauren and I said, this is coming out probably a week after this occurred, so things could have changed. But at this present moment, this tweet was their their line. And I just, I don't understand what is offensive. We need to desexualize the act of breastfeeding because it has nothing to do with sex. It has all to do with feeding your baby. And when you're on a flight or anywhere, but especially on a flight, sometimes that can make your flight that little bit easier as well. Yeah, and I think... Chances are a child being fed on a plane is so small that like they're obviously on the mother's lap feeding, Mm -hmm. you know, like they're like it's they're not like, I don't know. I just not that there's anything wrong with feeding an older child. I'm just saying that chances are if you're feeding a child on a plane, it's a small baby. Well, as mine was 13 months when I was feeding him. Small baby. But yeah, but I also can I just put out there that when I'm feeding, I don't want the world to see my boob either. Yeah. So it's not like I'm just going, okay, let me When they leave you hanging, like I, yeah, like my fella's at the stage now where he did it to you earlier on. He's distracted. So you sometimes like have to have the boob out and you're like, hey, hey, it's over here. But he's looking around at other things. And that can be a bit like, okay, well, my nipple's still here waiting for you to cover it. So come on. (laughs) Did you ever use the apron thingies? I did. Um... Up until a few times, up until maybe he was about three or four months old, and I felt that when he got to the four-month-old stage, and you know when they're starting to discover stuff and look around and yeah. discover their voice and stuff, he didn't want to be covered. 
by the apron thing. He wanted to be able to see out. He he also, it's hot. Like we were doing it in summer and he was hot and uncomfortable and I was hot and uncomfortable. Yeah, so I think they're more hassle than they're worth. Yeah. The odd time I've used like a muslin just to cover myself because if I'm wearing a top yeah. that, you know, like most of the time I'm in two layers, like a yeah. clicky down top and then like a loose t-shirt over it. Um, but I've used a muslin sometimes, especially on holidays in the sun. You know, I had to shield his yeah. head a bit yeah. or like a towel if we were by the pool. I had, um, excuse me, swimsuits on holidays that literally just came down off my shoulder. They were quite low cut. But because we were in the sun, I put a towel over him just to protect him from sunburn, not from like weirdos who like can't cope with breastfeeding. Yeah. And actually, I think this is this is a, a podcast in itself. I think we need to do a whole thing on just feeding and breastfeeding. And also, you brought up a really important point there as well. People who are shaming anybody yeah. who is breastfeeding or anybody who's not breastfeeding. As we said, the most important thing is that your child is being fed. Yeah. Totally. Any which way that works for the two of you. Because it's, you know, happy mum, happy child. Absolutely. So let's um, uh, park that for now and go back to the holiday. You, This was your first holiday with an almost six months old. Um, what were some of the things that you learned? How different was it to travelling on your own? Um, just that you kind of have to be a bit more organised. I've really surprised myself over the last six months how well I've managed to organise him. Still can't organise myself. <laughs> but just to be that bit better organised, to have bits and pieces in bags, to have things ready to go. I think, like, sorry to go back to breastfeeding, but it does make things a lot easier. Yeah. Um, if you're a disorganised person like me, I can't, you know... You just pop out the boob. You just pop out the boob. Yeah. You're laughing. Um... But yeah, just in general, I found, so sun cream for me was a big thing. Why is that? Um, because I, I used to take the sun really well as a kid, but over the years I've burnt and I haven't minded my skin. So getting prepared for the sun was a big thing. I wanted to make sure that I didn't have to worry about me and I could just concentrate on making sure that he was protected. Because so, that is a scary thing, isn't it? Bringing such new skin yeah. into the sun. So I went off, went to one of my local pharmacies and I made sure I bought really good sun cream and um, I got like high factor for me, really just easy to apply. I know it sounds so silly, but I kind of did my research. Few people, actually I want to shout out, uh, it's Shoshana Wood is her name, is a mummy blogger I follow on Instagram who her little boy Luca is six weeks older than my fella and I've been following her since she had Luca and she has done it. she's done every stage a couple of weeks ahead of me. Yeah. So I was following her holidays before I went on my own holidays and when she started talking about sun creams, was when I started researching sun creams and I've actually been lucky enough to meet her her because she started doing my Empowered Mamas class. And when I met her, I was like, oh my God, I follow you on Instagram. I'm so happy to meet you. And anyway, she's brilliant. But I was lucky in that she had gone on holidays just before we did. So yeah, like went and researched all the sun creams and got a good one for him. So I just knew that I was covered. I was protected every day. And you're not really out sunbathing. Like I was constantly kind of in shorts and tops and stuff. Yeah. And wa I did a lot of walking. Um, and then, yeah, he was, I used, um, is it La Roche-Posay? The, the yeah. They have an infant one. And I used that on him, Factor 50, and it was great. I didn't use, P20 is one that people always talk about, but I had a reaction to P20 as a child. And so far, I think he's got my skin. I can, re I can see a lot of similarities in his skin to mine. So I didn't want to risk P20. I know people say that it's brilliant. You work, you use whatever works for you. Yeah, I think. Sun cream yeah. was a massive thing. I just, I did my homework on sun creams and that was something I'd never really thought about before. What was the toughest thing on your holiday? 
Um, the toughest thing. It wouldn't, I wouldn't even call it tough, but it was just realising that he was dictating it, which, like, to be fair, you know, that's that's totally fine. But we where we went, we had friends over there, and it was just to recognise... I know a lot of people say, sure, they sleep in the buggy and they love being in the buggy. And he did. He loved the buggy. Um, we bought a stroller going away that he was facing out. He loved it. And it did recline and he did sleep in it. But early on, we discovered, you know, he was sleeping in the buggy. But then when we'd get home, he was kind of tormented after nine o'clock. So we just adjusted. We went out early. We came home early. We were up early. He found a really nice routine that he's kind of stuck in since yeah. we came home. But it was that. The first two or three nights, we just kind of had to find our feet and let him dictate the pace. He didn't slot into our routine. We slotted into his. Yeah. And that worked. We haven't been really good at doing that. <laughs> We've never been really good at doing that. And we often have a lot of photo shoots called Weekend at Bernie's. <laughs> Where the kid is just falling asleep wherever. But that seems to have worked for us up until this holiday. Really? Um, so we were travelling with, as I said, my best mate met us there. She had two girls, um, six and nine, and then mine are three and eight, right? So um, they were all, look, when we look back, they were all actually really good. We pushed them to their max. Um, uh, Georgia was gifted a, a Garmin watch, which is like counts their steps and stuff, and all the other two girls had one as well. So they um, were counting their steps, and at the end of most days, they did anywhere between ten to sixteen thousand steps a day. So, like, betcha they slept. Yeah, yeah, they, <laughs> yeah, yes and no. But um, with that, I think because we were doing a lot, we weren't necessarily meeting their routine. We weren't meeting ours. We were trying to sort of meet in the middle. And so, when the tantrums happened, Lauren, boy. Did the tantrum ha- oh. tantrums happen? Thank God we didn't have four at the same time. So right. everyone had them separately. <laughs> Seven of the eight of us traveling had a tantrum. Nancy, I think, was the only one that, that didn't throw a tantrum. Um, they got to the point, though, where uh, the three-year-old was – he didn't really go through the terrible twos. He's going through the terrible – he's going through the tantrum threes. He's throwing a lot of tantrums. Okay. And um, he's usually fine until he decides that he wants something – um, and it's usually milk. He's taken to milk has become his comfort thing when he was away as well. From you or a bottle? From a bottle. Okay. And he decides he wants milk at the most inappropriate time. And there's just a sheer look of panic on everyone's face where we call milk latte, the Italian word. So okay. he'll just go, latte. I, I want latte. love that so much. I want latte, mama. Mama, latte. And then Brian and I just look at each other and go, did you pack the bottle? Shit. Yeah. Did you pack the UHT? No, we forgot. Because you'd have to. You can't bring fresh milk with you because you don't know when it's going to happen. Yeah. So it would kick off at the most inappropriate times um, on trams. We did a lot of train travel. There was one um, train trip where Brian was stuck at one end of the train and it was packed, and I was with everybody else. And for twenty minutes, he just screamed that he wanted his latte. I um, managed to sort of calm him down. I went to Brian at the end of that. I went. Did you hear any of that? But I was like, no, no, because I was having dramas of my own. So while we were having the dramas of the latte, he was having the dramas of someone pickpocketing someone's passport and an American girl fainting on the train. So oh, we wow. both had separate dramas. I would have picked the pickpocketer and the American girl fainting over the screaming child. <laughs> Hands up. Totally. So um, so that's tough when you're dealing with the tantrums. They, they do happen. How do you deal with tantrums? Well, with him... Um, 
there were two ways. One way was to give him the phone just so it would stop. And by the phone, I mean just um, roaming has become a great thing, just putting some YouTube on. Um, we tried not to do that too much because we don't want that to become the regular thing. But then when you're on holidays, it's very hard yeah. to sort of stick to a, a routine. Yeah. Yes. So phone was the extreme. Another way was just... God, just trying to distract him with stuff. So when there was no latte to be seen, it was like, oh, look, let's look at this and let's count this or trying to distract him. And other times it was literally just holding him and letting him cry it out. And the poor lady next to me, I apologised to her. And she's like, nah, he's a kid. But then what I found hilarious was because I was watching owls have tantrums, the amount of people on holidays... <laughs> Their kids having tantrums. The poor, like the poor Italian woman who was screaming. We were in France at this stage, and she thought no one understood, but she was yelling at her. I'd say seven or eight year old, going, "Mum told you that this is enough. I am sick and tired of your behaviour. You're only supposed to be up here for a minute." And there was no judgment from me because that could have been the fifteenth time she told her daughter to come away. So, um, not that I um, reveled in other people's kids taking tantrums, but what it made me realise is. It's not just your kid. No. Everybody's kid is having a tantrum. Everybody's kid is having a meltdown. Some part of the trips, of the trip is going to be overwhelming and exhausting and stressful. And especially when I broke the pram on day two, like I broke the stroller on day two of the holiday and we needed the stroller for the three-year-old and... Dave and Brian, shout out to them because they went all MacGyver on the stroller and they were able to fix the stroller and stuff. So things are going to happen and... Is that enough? Are the bad things enough of a reason for me not to travel again? No, because 80% of the holiday, yeah, because I also have to attribute 20% to waiting in fucking toilet lines and <laughs> the kids not being able to regulate. Like, okay, kids, we're going to the toilet now. I don't need to go. And because we're in tourist season. Four minutes later, I need to wait. Yeah. And then we had to join the queue all over again. But let's say let's say 70% of the trip makes it worthwhile because those yeah. moments I had with my kids, being able to swim in the beach, being able to just hang out and laugh with each other. And it is worth the 30% of hell. Yeah. And it is. It, it can be hell. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. But would I do it again in the morning? Yeah. Aww. I might just bring a change of clothes for Brian and myself. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I really enjoyed this episode so much. I love to hear people's tips because, look, the summer is still here. Yeah. So if people are going away, if you want to message us a few tips and tricks for travels, that would be great. You can DM us on Instagram. It's at 98NobodyToldMe or Twitter at 98FM, nobody told me. Um, usually we end with a inappropriate comment, but I think we've given that inappropriate comment to KLM about their breastfeeding. <laughs> but we want to hear from you. If you have an vo- inappropriate comment, voice notice. We'd love to include it. And actually, bearing in mind all the holidays, I'd love to hear, you know, have people said shit to you on holidays and, you know, has there been kind of awkward interactions? I'd love to hear those stories. Yeah, and actually, even just your stories. Give us... Yes, okay, a- yeah, yeah, yeah. Give us a shit show story. Well, we call it that. We're going to have inappropriate comments and shit show stories that we can all share and laugh in now that it's over. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Thank you so much. And please uh, don't forget to subscribe. You can get us on iTunes, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcast. But on iTunes, if you could rate and subscribe, that would be amazing. Great. See you soon. The sound of the city. Nobody told me. The 98FM Parenting Podcast.